When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got John Sheldon. He's the Chief Marketing Officer at Smile Direct Club. And did you know that 60% of counties in the U.S. do not have an orthodontist? I did not know that. And John shares that fact as as well as a number of others in terms of what Smile Direct Club is trying to achieve with accessibility, increased convenience, and at a lower cost than their competitors. We talk about how the company started out as a disruptor and is moving into becoming a challenger against their primary competitor. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Sheldon. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to have this conversation and I haven't ever started an episode quite like this before, but I hear there are many marriages and maybe a divorce or two that you may be responsible for. What's that all about? Oh, are you coming for me fast with my fun fact? Yeah. In my early days, I was a developer, actually a database developer and was involved directly in the uh, creation of an algorithm for you know, matching people up. A company got bought by Match.com. So it was something I've done early on. I'm sure they've replaced it 15 times over. At least I hope they have. <laughs> it would be funny if it's still the same algorithm, though, wouldn't it? Just a tiny bit. 
I, I hope not. It was, you know, basically she says she likes tall people. That guy says he's tall. Let's do this. It was a little on the nose. I feel like Ryan Reynolds is waiting to make that commercial. (laughs) Anyway, where did you get your start beyond writing algorithms? And it sounds like you're a coder before. Kind of give me the the path to becoming chief marketing officer at Smile Direct Club. The start was a little bit of a funny one. Uh, I was supposed to be an investment banker. I was a Wharton finance guy. Then I left and did what, what Wharton people do when they don't go into investment banking, which is I went into consulting. And that's how I found my way to coding and, and being a part of Oracle. Really got involved in the, in the internet in its earliest days, 1995, right out of the gate, working with building out websites, heart association, et cetera. But it found my way from there really toward e-commerce. And that's where, where the marketing side of this picked up in a big way. The area of of marketing that I got involved in early in e-commerce was uh, a lot of that database marketing and CRM work. I just continued to expand and expand the different skill sets and and areas in marketing that I I knew about and worked on the launch of a number of e-commerce sites, outpost.com, officedepot.com. These are all like pre-1999 or 1999 era e-commerce sites was with a consulting firm called Dialogos that that kind of got caught up in the, the 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 bust there and a couple of partners and I split out and formed a company called Customer Portfolios which was a database marketing company up in the Boston area from there really used that to to springboard into the agency side and did some a couple of agency gigs at Ogilvy which is like the teaching hospital of the agency world where I learned a lot and then helped build out a digital marketing capability for an agency called BBH, Bartle, Bogle, and Higarty, which was out of New York when I was there. And then from there, a bunch of relationships I had pulled me into the client side through a, a funny halfway house at eBay Enterprise Marketing Solutions, where we ran the e-commerce marketing for you know about 125 different retail customers. Then you know, it took a little bit of a jug handle in my career, and I always, you know, been on the the leading digital edge of digital businesses, and and that's tied to innovation. And uh, Mastercard called me up and was looking for someone to help manage their innovation management globally, and so I took I took a stint doing that, and it was extremely rewarding, and got to see the inside of how big companies do innovation. But ultimately, I'm a marketer at heart, and that's how. Through, through some work at Fresh Direct, I ultimately ended up at, at Smile Direct Club, helping really build out this kind of rocket ship of, of growth around teeth straightening. I love it. And I, let's talk a little bit about Smile Direct Club and like I just said it, which is teeth straightening, but like how do you describe what the company does and, and who, who do they do it for? Smile Direct Club is an uh, our oral care company that goes in most cases directly to the consumer obviously with doctors involved all the way through the process and really have two key product lines. The founding product line is around teeth straightening, and that's the majority of the business. We'll talk more about that in a second. And then the second line is we have a very successful line of oral care products that can be found in the oral care aisle in about 12,500 retailers in the U.S. and Canada. The big kind of tent, uh, tent pole a uh, product line there is is around teeth whitening and teeth straightening go really well together. And we really, when we think about the teeth straightening part of the business, we founded it on three core pillars. 
accessibility, meaning making sure that it's available to everybody, convenience. And we do things like ship all your aligners to you all at once. You don't have to keep going back to a doctor's office. And then because we own the entirety of the value chain top to bottom, we can do that at a significant cost advantage to traditional orthodontic care. And so we're 60% less today than, than braces or, or Invisalign, for example. That opportunity of being so much more affordable you know, really opened up the orthodontic opportunity to people who had never had it before, whether it's because there's no orthodontist in their county, and 60% of the counties in the United States don't have an orthodontist, or because of the pricing differential where you know, they couldn't afford $6,000 of discretionary cost, but uh, something just under $2,000 was, was in their reach. And the good news is we've done it for over one and a half million customers now. And what we found is that for most people with mild to moderate teeth straightening needs, we're by far the you know, smartest option for, uh, for most folks. That's amazing. And I did not know that stat that like something like 60% of counties don't have an orthodontist. I've never thought about that, but I've always lived in more metropolitan areas, so that, which makes a lot of sense. That's amazing. Not to mention the cost advantage, but the convenience element of not having to go back to the doctor. <laughs> Anybody who's had to take their kid out of school every month, it becomes very inconvenient. And the ability to really manage that relationship with your prescribing dentist and the dental team via our app 24-7 is something people find extremely convenient. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And you've got a, a really large competitor out there with Invisalign and not to mention just the traditional braces approach, which is what I did when I was growing up because there wasn't this... Smile Direct Club wasn't around then, <laughs> but how are you thinking about scaling as a disruptor or challenger in that category, both against the traditional option as well as your competitor Invisalign? Yeah, when I, when I came to the business, we definitely thought of ourselves as disruptors. We had created this brand new way to straighten your teeth and, and do that in a way that couldn't be done before. What we've turned our mind toward, though, is the idea of being a true challenger brand, right? Invisalign, for better or worse, has established themselves as a quote-unquote Kleenex brand of the industry. People call us all the time, you know, our own customers and say, I'm wearing my Invisaligners. So, you know, the idea of taking them on and in the United States, turning the teeth straightening into a two-horse race is something we've spent a lot of time working on in, in the last year. And we've done our first cut of a challenger campaign where we call Invisalign out for being uh, a lot more expensive and and show people that, for, again, for most folks, we're the better choice. It's smart. It uh, reminds me of a conversation I was having with a head of a global agency holding company recently. And it came from political polling days. That was his background. And he talked about he was involved with the Microsoft response to Apple ads when, you know, when the Apple had the not a PC ads going on. And it, it reminds me of what, when you think about Challenger and you've got two horses in the race, to your point, it can be a birth of great creativity in some respects of demonstrating your differences to people. Yeah. In fact, it's honestly, it's one of the most exciting parts of my role. It's very rare, actually, that you have such a clear opportunity to do a direct Challenger campaign. It's And just when we got to the place in the development of our business where that was really right in front of us, I was excited because you're right. You can really open up all kinds of avenues of creativity to communicate that, that difference between you and why you're the better option. For us, we did that 
through the introduction of a, a character that we're developing. Her name is Didi, and she's really got that rubber face and just this amazing where she could say anything, but it comes off as super pleasant. This is an actress, Kareen Rice, and she's absolutely fantastic. And we lucked into having her on the campaign and she's going to be involved in a lot of the different work that we're doing over the next couple of years. And just love being able to build up that owned character and that distinctive uh, voice that we can bring to uh, how and why we're better and different. You're hitting on all the things I love, like distinctive assets, building your own character. <laughs> like he's like a brand magician over there. You're just pulling out all the stops. It sounds like I like it. I like it a lot. I know innovation is also important to you guys. How are you innovating around the customer experience? You talked about the mobile app and just the process that's different than other folks, but how do you think about it? The first place we start is how do we meet our customer where they are and how do we alter our processes to meet them where they are? And so when the business was started, the only way to get started was with an impression kit. This is a putty kit that we send to your home. And then what we realized when we listened to customers is that for a $2,000 product and a piece of plastic you're going to stick in your mouth for four to six months, they might want to talk to somebody face-to-face. -face. And so we opened up some smile shops and we got up to a couple hundred of these smile shops pre-pandemic. And that became the predominant way that people got started with us and about 90% of the time. Then the pandemic hit and we were super grateful that we still had the impression kit business because it allowed us to pivot overnight uh, from 90, 10 in one direction to basically 99, one the other direction. And uh, we became a kits business for parts of the pandemic. But we've slowly added back our smile shops over time as we've proven the incrementality of them. And frankly, as people have gotten comfortable with going back there, but being a kind of telehealth provider of teeth straightening proved very beneficial. And, and funny, many of the headwinds in our business that we had pre-pandemic are now tailwinds for our business as people have gotten much more comfortable with telehealth. And we've leaned into that by launching our app and then putting all kinds of features into that app that support customers managing with us the, their treatment all through the process. And so whether it's being able to take a picture of your liner and how it fits in your mouth or speaking directly face-to-face -face with a teledentist, it's a great way for consumers to stay connected all through treatment. Telehealth has become a mainstay in our house. <laughs> so going to waiting in a doctor's office when I can get a doctor on a 30-minute window, basically, to diagnose something is so much more efficient than, than going and sitting in a doctor's office. Completely agree. You've got a lot going on. You're innovating, you're staying flexible and agile through the pandemic. You're building new experiences through the app, through telehealth services. How does data play a role in your ability to both build the brand as well as tell stories for the brand? One of the great advantages that we have is we're vertically integrated top to bottom in the business. We manufacture our own aligners. We self-fund the financing arm of the business. So we know everything from top to bottom. We know what advertisements you became aware of us on, who your prescribing doctor was, if you've had any challenges in your, in, in your treatment, and then afterward, if you're wearing your retainers. And, and we keep all that data and it allows us to trigger one of the most sophisticated CRM capabilities I've ever seen, and I've seen some pretty wild stuff. eBay is amazing, for example. And, and this is, I would argue, rivals it. Our ability to keep consumers on track, help them not get lost 
in the different eddies as they're going through the purchase process, whether it's insurance or whatever could distract them in, in that process. We have the, the data really allows us to trigger the right messages at the right time and hit people where they are. Again, it could be an SMS, it could be email, or it could be getting them in the app to say, hey, it's time for you to change to your next set of aligners. And so it's just a great opportunity within that richness of that data to to stay closer to customers than they could normally with even with, with a doctor they're looking at face to face. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I mean, the, the CRM capabilities driven by a vertical integration make a lot of sense too. That's a lot of pieces that most people you wouldn't see. If I only made the aligners and I wasn't in the insurance validation <laughs> and payment business, those two things are disconnected. Somebody's always waiting on the next piece and, and it sounds seamlessly integrated those, which is pretty amazing because it's not easy to do first and foremost. That's one of the interesting moats in our business is there's so many elements of what we do that are not easy to do. It would be very hard for someone to come in and replicate all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it. It seems like it for sure. Let's talk about go-to-market channels and what you're investing in today or maybe pulling back on. There's been a lot of change in the last couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. Smile Direct Club was really built as a d true D2C brand. And, and certainly a big part of that was built on the back of Facebook and, and, and Google to start. And that's been a big part of how we communicated to people, value propositions, and built up our initial customer base. But obviously, we've since moved to an environment where we're, we're advertising everywhere. We're a very significant advertiser in the US now. We're on TV, OTT, and a number of the different digital channels. We've been on Pinterest. We've done work with, with really interesting lenses on Snapchat, as you can imagine, or even where consumers are going now, which is TikTok. I saw some statistic today that there's something like 84 minutes a day TikTok users are in, are in the app. It's a compelling place for us to deliver our messaging. It's just to talk about TikTok for half a second longer because I think it's one of the newer places. Our core customer at the center is an 18 to 34-year-old female. Now, we have lots of people outside of that, but probably our most predominant sit there and they are very much in TikTok. And, and so we have a strategy to, to communicate to them in that environment with three different pillars. The first is adapting a lot of our core marketing messaging to work a little bit more effectively in the platform, using a little more humor, using some of the music, some of the movement in, with our paid advertising. The second is we work really closely with influencers who are great at creating content for the platform. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Now, what's important to us is that they're authentic customers, that they are genuinely 
using the product and speaking to their own experiences. And that's been a really cornerstone component to when we work with influencers. And then third is, is building up our own assets, our own characters, our own people, frankly, in TikTok. One example is a woman on our marketing team named Emily, who has built up a bit of a following in that environment and can find some of the key trends that are going on in TikTok and find ways of making them relevant to our brand and, and creating our own content uh, around that. I love, I love Emily's story. She started actually as a model in one of our shoots early on, even predating my time at the company. Then because she had heard about the brand through the shoot, she became a customer and loved the product so much, she sought out to be a, a team member. And so she became a team member and ultimately part of the marketing team and now is actually a little bit of a face of the company within TikTok. So just a really cool progression of someone who just found passion in the brand and has turned it into, I think, a really cool and unique career development. Your story about Emily is amazing because it's how an influencer should be built, right? Somebody that becomes aware of the brand, user of the brand, and then an advocate for the brand. It reminds me of, it's probably a bad example in current times, but I still think it's a very powerful company, Peloton. And years ago, I interviewed the CMO at that point in time, pre the current CMO, and they had this huge Facebook group of like 250,000 customers. And whenever somebody was in doubt about buying a Peloton, they would just tell them to go check out, join this group. And the customers would start answering all the questions. Is this really worth it? Yes, it is. Here's how I use it every day. Here's my favorite instructor. And so it's an amazing kind of story to hear you talk about Emily, because it's in some ways similar, like an, an advocate of the brand. And if you're curating other influencers in a similar fashion, it, it can be hugely powerful, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, actually, to, to, to the point where that same story that you just told about Peloton is also true for Smile Direct Club. There's an independent Facebook group of members, like 35 plus thousand members who, who are going in. And, they, and again, we're not engaged in the group. We want, you know look to make sure that everything, they have the right information, but we're looking for them to continue to be independent because they do such a great job supporting each other through the process and answer the questions in many ways. We learn things from observing what we read in the group and the people that are the moderators of that group do such a wonderful job of making sure that when trolls jump in, they provide facts. When people come in with genuine questions, they can point them right to, right to experts who can help them. And so it's been a really nice experience. And when you build a brand based on personal transformation, what you like, whether you're Peloton or us, what you find is the people that you've helped transform, they want to continue to be a part of this community and help others experience what they have. And that's one of the best parts of my role is getting to see these transformations week in and week out. The favorite thing I do all week is I send an email every Monday called Inspired by Why. And it's just, set, it's just sets of our customer stories where they're publishing things in social media or they're sending us emails and telling their story directly and just keeping our team members connected to exactly why we do what we're doing. It's a huge element to light up the employee base, to give them that purpose. And what, what you come to work to do every day is the is seen in the comments of the customers. It makes a lot of sense. You talked about early on, like from D to C focus, starting with Facebook and Google, with all the changes that are coming or underway, whether you think about iOS changes that have happened or the new cookie world that we're moving towards at some point, how has that shifted your thinking about the marketing mix at all? 
which definitely encouraged us to work and move more and more up the funnel, right? Where we're, you know, because we know once we get to a lead, that CRM engine does its yeoman's work so very well. What we're looking to do now is continue to build up on our aided and our unaided awareness so that we get those leads more organically as opposed to having to, to you know, comb through you know, Facebook audiences and increasingly blinded algorithms to find the right next customer for us. One of the metrics I spend a lot of time thinking about is our aided awareness number. When I joined the company, it was around, around 15, 18, it depended on which tool we were using. We're now up in the upper 50s for aided awareness. And so people are more and more remembering that, hey, we're in this space. And, and if they're looking to straighten their teeth, we're a viable option. Obviously, turning my sights now to, to the unaided piece where people unprovoked will name our brand as one that helps people straighten their teeth. And we're going to do more and more with our marketing to, to, to grow that particular metric for the business. And all this privacy stuff really challenges the algorithms to find the people that are right at the edge of, of making a purchase because they're getting fewer signals than they used to get. And so just making sure that we're a part of the broader discussion and, and building our brand up and our brand reputation up has proven much more important. And we're definitely putting a greater percentage of our investment there. That makes a lot of sense. And it's similar to what I'm hearing from other folks as well, that some of the social media channels they're used to have become more like brand building channels than direct response like they used to be. And people are investing in more top of the funnel. And, and, and I think you've got the right elements, a strong base of differentiating assets, strong business model, of course. And, and you've got these branded assets that you're building like characters into your campaigns and things like that are going to help you stand out. You're almost marching down the Byron Sharp, How Brands Grow playbook. You would think I was a disciple who's read that book. I'm a big fan of Byron Sharp's work. I think we've done a lot of the elements there, right? In the last 18 months, we put in an audio watermark at the beginning or end of, of our spots. We, we were incredibly consistent with our use of that blue-purple color we call Blurple in our advertising. We're building a character, right? All those elements are straight out of the How Brands Are Built playbook because we're really trying to create an iconic brand that is very widely available. It's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about our presence in the oral care aisle. 110 million people walk through the oral care aisle in Walmarts on a weekly basis. We are now physically present as well as mentally available. I picked up on that as well. I'm glad you put the two together because I, I forgot to go back to it. That is a huge, it's a huge billboard <laughs> in essence, whether or not they're buying, hopefully they're buying, but even if they're not buying, it's a huge billboard as they go down that aisle. This has been fantastic. And I, it's fun to get to know a new business that I haven't really interacted with before. I'd love to switch gears and get to know you a little bit better. And one of my favorite questions to ask is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? One experience that really changed my trajectory and stirred up some entrepreneurial spirit and so on was I was working at Outpost.com in, in 1999. They're building up early days of e-commerce and, and digital marketing and basically how people would sell on the internet and you know, help them grow to the point where they went public. And the, the work I did there, the people that I worked with, we were all way out on the bleeding edge of, of the internet. They ran their first ad, uh, I think it was during a CNN news cycle, you know, basically shut the site down right away. We, we had no idea what was happening and it got it back going again. And you know, all of a sudden you realize that's the power of marketing right there. 
You could literally just stare and watch the, the session spin up. And to me, that, that kind of lit me up. It's a little bit of adrenaline hit every time you know, I, I can do an action in marketing. I can see the results in the business right away. And for me, that, that uh, dopamine hit is still live for that a little bit today. Yeah, no, it's maybe I'm seeing why you were attracted to investment banking originally. The chase of the deal, the seeing the numbers and, and marketing can be that too. Marketing can be that too. That's funny. What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting over again? I mentioned starting my own business, customer portfolios back in, in 2001. And one of the things I realized really quickly was I hadn't done a good enough job of tending to the garden that is your, my network, right? The people that I had met along the way up until that point in my career, the relationships that I had built by sitting next to and working with folks and so on. I, as I moved around a little bit, I, I let those relationships go. And week three into my starting my own company, I'm like, I think I'm out of people to call. That's a problem. And the advice I would give my younger self, and I try to follow it to the best of my ability, is stay connected to the people that you work with. Stay connected to the people who have trust with you because you've delivered consistently for them. Because if you stay connected to them, they can be there for you when you need them. And, and of course, the most important part of that and is and most rewarding part is you being there for them when they need you. And I've had a lot of that in, the, in my career after that realization in 2001. And I'll give you an example. Just this week, I was talking with an old boss, a CEO of one of the agencies I worked at, and we basically just exchanged a set of people we're trying to help. I had a creative team that, that I wanted to see be successful. And he had an acquaintance from, there was a former client of his that was between gigs. And we were just, oh, hey, let me see how we can figure out how to make this happen. And it's been, it's, I find that really rewarding. And so, yeah, stay, stay connected and work to tend and expand your network to the best of your ability. That's huge advice. And I learned something. I learned that lesson myself going through business school. And I actually had a, a speaker come to the class and, and talk to us. Keith Ferrazzi wrote the book, Never Eat Alone. And I had actually read the book before I saw him speak, not knowing that he was coming. And it was, it was similar in, in that regard, realizing that networking doesn't have to be this like dirty thing that happens with a drink in your hand and business cards in the other hand, but it's really about helping people. And if you, if you focus on helping people, that's the best way to do networking uh, and maintain a network. So I love that you, you, you brought that forward. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. What one topic do you believe marketers need to be learning more about? I do actually think marketers need to be understanding the role that their brand might play in a virtual world, in a metaverse, for lack of a better term. Not all brands are going to play there perfectly, but knowing what it is to where, where you could play today and, and maybe where you want to go with it, it is going to be a part of people's lives going forward. And you know, just taking time to think about what that means for your brand is something everybody needs to step back, kind of stare at the ceiling and begin the process of understanding it and beginning to find little ways to experiment. It's a long way off, but not, but also it's also tomorrow. It's, it's the time to start is, is, is right now. I, I think experimentation is, is wise in that space. I have had some skeptics tell me, Alan, don't you remember there was this thing called second life out there from IBM? And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But to many things in the world, timing may have just not been right at that point in time. 
Yeah, there was this thing called MySpace. We could do that, <laughs> yeah, we could right. do that on every innovation. There was somebody who might have gotten there first, and they were just so early that they just couldn't hold on long enough. And yeah, a sec, I remember Second Life, and I remember rolling my eyes at it then, and here, here, here we are. The only thing that I, I don't quite understand, and this is more for Facebook, you don't have to respond to this, but I don't understand why they don't have legs in their metaverse. Like, because there are other metaverses out there that they have full bodies. And I just want Facebook to have full bodies in their metaverse. It, it creeps me out. But anyway, that's an, a, a quick aside. But I'm curious, are, on a personal note, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? Two brands I follow, I've always felt since I took the role here, that the Smart Rock Club is kind of following Peloton and in many ways, the evolution of the brand, at least, and their marketing very closely, about six months behind. So I, I keep a pretty close eye on the pieces that they're doing. And I think they make a lot of really smart moves and, and they do great work. They build a fantastic community. I think the current troubles, they'll, they'll, they will bounce out of because of the strength of the pieces that they've built. I love to keep a close eye on, on them. And then the other piece that I do, and I still stay a bit of a lurker in this community, but in my time at, at MasterCard, I was pretty heavily involved in their efforts around financial inclusion. And, and that includes some, um, I had the ability to take some funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and, and built a lab for financial inclusion, the MasterCard Lab for Financial Inclusion in Nairobi, Kenya. And so just love seeing the innovations that are going on to bring more and more people into the formal financial world all around the globe. And obviously there's implications for that now when you start thinking about all this crypto stuff and, and all that dimension to it. So I like to keep one eye on it because I think it's, I think it's frankly very important. It's important work and obviously super valuable to get people connected to formal financial systems. And it's not, it's application of crypto that gets overlooked in that respect is when you have maybe unfortunate and live in a country that's not stable and doesn't have Fed like we do here that regulates monetary policy, your currency can fluctuate and crypto or the like, those types of opportunities in the future are one way to bring more access and stability to a large population. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market of the world, potentially. Last question for you. What do you feel like is the largest opportunity or threat to marketers today? I'm an opportunity kind of guy. I think really some of the things that we've done at Smile Direct Club to deeply understand our customer, their journey with us, um, and all of the ways that we can help guide them through that process. I think 
we're even we are still scratching the surface of all the ways we can help. And I just think just getting close you know, to your customer, being the customer, having your eyes opened for what they're going through and their experiences is the most important thing that, that we can do as, as marketers today. And I probably uh, twice a week when we listen to calls or we watch people in our smile shop, get new ideas that talk about how we can improve uh, the overall experience with our brand. And so I just would urge people to take every step you can to get closer to what your customer's view is of your brand. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.